I have a confession to make. Despite what people think, I'm not an extrovert. I know, shocking. Many of you are probably thinking, but Theo, you have to be an extrovert. How do you get on stage and look into a camera and talk to hundreds of people either live or online? Exactly. I'm doing the talking. You're just listening. This is like therapy for me, if I'm going to be honest. No, no, no. But, but seriously, uh, those who know me well know that I'm actually a deep, deep introvert. Also, most of my life, I've had major social anxiety. And on top of all of that, recently, I was given a late adult diagnosis of autism. So naturally, today, this deeply introverted autistic adult with social anxiety is going to teach you about the art of conversations for our Rule of Life series. Now, when Troy initially gave me this topic, I immediately wanted to ask him for a different topic. Because I'm all of those things I just mentioned a second ago. I'm generally not the life of the party, and so who am I to discuss this particular rule of life? But then, God reminded me of something. I really admire our worship leader, Eric Welliver. He's a good friend, incredibly generous with his time, his energy, and his resources. He's this fun guy to be around, uh, loves country music, fishes, your typical like Midwestern guy in my opinion, right? Uh, he is my extroverted shield at work. Now, introverts know what I'm talking about. When we, uh, we like to find a safe extrovert to cling to, so they do all the talking. That's why opposites tend to attract, right? Uh, at work, I'm always sitting next to Eric whenever we're having meetings. My thinking is, because he talks so much, no one will notice that I'm talking so little. Because as introverts and autistic people, we really need to kind of process and think before we speak. But recently, I wanted a deeper connection with Eric. So I decided that I was going to learn something uh, more about something he was passionate about. Of all the things he liked, I was like, oh, what's the thing I could possibly like, actually like? So I picked football. I'm not a football guy. I've never been a football guy. Before I came to Kansas City, I couldn't tell you anything about football. I have learned a little bit because the, Chief, the Chiefs play so well. But this, uh, you know, this preseason, I decided I'm going to watch every single Chiefs game so that I can have some conversation with Eric on a deeper level. I asked him, what shows should I watch in order to learn more? He told me about Shannon Sharp, Stephen A., and now my personal favorite, Nick Wright, uh, from First Things First, or First Take, I don't know. Uh, it's one of those shows. My goal was, again, to engage Eric around football conversations and see if that led to other conversations. Now, every Tuesday or Friday, it's usually one of those two days, we have about a 45-minute to an hour-long conversation either in the office or at lunch together. I've developed this genuine love of football now, too, and although our conversations may begin around football, it usually leads to other things we love and care about. Our wives, our kids, our friends, God, our joys and challenges as well. We laugh and we have deep conversations together. It's probably my favorite part of my work week is when I get to hang out and have these deep conversations with Eric. 
Now, I share all of this because as a, if I, as a deeply introverted autistic adult with social anxiety can have meaningful life-giving conversations once a week, I know you can too. Hi, my name is Theo Davis. I'm the digital pastor here at Restore. And you're joining us in the middle of a series called A Rule of Life. See, our world today, it can feel so chaotic. If we aren't intentional, we can allow the chaos of and ads and desires for more rob us of our peace and our joy. That's why we are doing this series, A Rule of Life. We want to equip you and your families with a set of practices that will help you keep centered in Jesus and his mission as you continue to head into 2023. Now, the first practice we discussed was a daily rhythm of prayer. The second practice we discussed was a weekly practice of Sabbath, really setting aside a a day to rest and recharge. Now, listen, if you missed any of these practices, I would encourage you to head to our YouTube channel and click on the playlist of Rule of Life if you want to watch the video version. You can also find our podcast messages on Spotify or Apple Music. Today, we're going to discuss uh, our next practice, one hour of conversation with someone. One hour of meaningful conversation with someone. Now, you might be thinking, Theo, I don't need to be told to talk to people. Really? We live in a culture that has become notoriously known for talking at someone rather than with them. You turn on any cable news show, regardless of their political affiliation, and you get the same thing. Screens filled with a bunch of talking heads that completely ignore the questions the other people are asking. They're yelling their points at each other and insulting the other guests. Twitter's been in the news recently because of uh, Elon Musk and some of the things that he does. We won't get into all of that. But ownership aside, Twitter is often known for people making vicious clapbacks or attacks at one another without having conversation. On Facebook and Instagram, it's easy to take a stand on something. But sometimes by doing that, we shut down any conversation with those who disagree with us. In fact, a study revealed that most people on social media these days uh, don't actually post anything themselves. It's just another place they go to consume content. It's estimated that only 30% of people on these platforms actively create and post content. Everyone else just gets on there and looks at what other people are doing. American society continues to be built in such a way that you don't have to have conversations with people. Trust me, as the introverted person I am, I know. Once upon a time, when you went to the store, you would have to wait in line and eventually make small talk with the cashier. Not anymore with self-checkout. At our Chick-fil-A here in Kansas City on Berry Road, uh, ordering through mobile, uh, you don't have to talk to anyone. You just order through mobile, you scan something, you pull around to the drive-thru, and someone comes and just gives you your food. It's kind of great for people who don't like small talk. Why go to the movies when you have a home theater? Why go to the store when you have Amazon same-day delivery? We are increasingly becoming a society that is more connected than ever, yet more lonely than ever. Our connectedness matters because our ability to have meaningful conversations with others affects every part of our lives. 
A study from Stanford University found that regular, meaningful conversations strengthen your immune system. It helps you recover from disease faster. It goes on to say that people who uh, feel more connected to others have lower levels of anxiety and depression. Moreover, studies show that uh, they also have higher self-esteem, greater empathy for others, and are more trusting and cooperative. And as a consequence, others are more open and trusting and cooperating with them. In other words, social connectedness generates a positive feedback loop of social, emotional, and physical well-being. So our society sees that being connected to one another and having meaningful conversations impacts our mental health and our physical health as well. But long before any of those things I mentioned existed, any of those studies, any of those platforms, scripture shows us the importance of meaningful conversations with each other. Let's dive in a little bit deeper to understand the power of conversations in the context of relationship, I want us to briefly examine one friendship where we have actually many of their conversations recorded for us in scripture. That's the friendship of Jesus and Peter. Today, I want us to look at the first and last conversations these two men had together. We might take a pit stop along the way as well. Let's take a look. Luke chapter 5, it says this. When he had finished speaking, that is Jesus, he said to Simon, Now go where it is deeper. Let your nets down to catch some fish. Master, Simon, that's Peter, replied, We have worked all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time the nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish he had caught, as were the others who were with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So this conversation kicks off what would, be, what would go on to be a three-year journey of conversations and adventure. We have so many of their talks recorded. I wish we had time today to go through all of them, but I'm just going to reference a few of them for you, and you can look them up on your own time. For example, Matthew 14, Peter walks on water with Jesus, but ultimately fails. They have conversation out on the water, the Sea of Galilee. It's wild. In Matthew 15, Peter doesn't understand a parable and Jesus has to stop everything and have a conversation to explain what he's teaching. Matthew 16, Jesus calls Peter blessed. They're in the midst of this late night conversation by the fire. Jesus is asking the disciples, who are people saying that I am? And some of them are repeating, oh, they say you're a prophet. They say you're this, they say you're that. Then Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter goes, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. 
And Jesus calls him blessed. He says, good job, Peter, for God has revealed this to you. You are blessed. Matthew 16, 21, the conversation continues. Jesus is explaining what this means and that he's going to ultimately go on to be uh, killed, but he'll re be resurrected three days later. Peter pulls Jesus aside rebukes Jesus, says, Lord, do not talk like this. This will never happen to you. We won't let it happen. Jesus rebukes Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Only Peter could be called blessed one minute and Satan the next moment. I, I can't fathom the devastation I would feel if Jesus is like, good job, Theo. And then in the next moment, in the same conversation, Theo, you're, you're acting a lot like Satan right now. More conversations, Matthew 17. Peter uh, uh, not talking to Jesus before saying something dumb. You got to just look that one up on your own. Matthew 17, 24 through 27. Matthew 18, Peter asks Jesus how many times he's got to forgive someone. They have a conversation. Matthew 26, Peter uh, and Jesus have a conversation about how Peter's going to betray Jesus. And not only does he go on to betray Jesus, just like he predicted, uh, he, he betrays him and, and denies that he knows him three times. That's important. We'll come back to that. Jesus then goes to the cross, he dies, and then three days later, he's resurrected. Here, here's where we pick up another conversation before Jesus, Pete, excuse me, before Peter even knows that Jesus is back. We can find this in John chapter 21, verses 3 through 7. It says this, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We've seen that before. We'll come too, they, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but caught nothing all night. It seems like these were some pretty bad fishermen. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. But the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? I don't know. Maybe Jesus had a British accent. Probably not. Um, no, I'm thinking like Monty Python in this moment. Sorry. Um, no. Then he said, throw out your nets on the right side of the boat and then you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in their nets because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple who loved Jesus said to Peter, it's the Lord. I love how cheeky Jesus is here. They can't see him. Jesus is on the shore uh, clearly, and Jesus performs the exact same miracle he does for Peter the first time they met. And it all suddenly dawns on Peter here. Is it the master? They come ashore and we pick up on their conversation between Peter and Jesus. John chapter uh, 21, verses 9 through 17. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a coal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the nets ashore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. 
Now, just days before, Peter said he would die for Jesus, but in this, uh, but instead he denied Jesus three times. Now, listen to what happens next. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus then said, then feed my sheep. Through regular conversation with Jesus over the course of uh, three years, Peter finds fresh purpose in that season of his life. Peter experiences wild adventures. Peter experiences immense encouragement. Peter puts his foot in his mouth on more than one occasion. And Peter experiences an overwhelming amount of grace again and again and again and again and again. None of those experiences are exclusive to conversations with Jesus. Each of us can experience all of these things as we dive into deep conversation with one another. God created you and me for fellowship. He is a triune God, one in three, three in one. The Godhead is created, or the Godhead exists with conversation in mind. And if we are the image bearers of God, he's also created us with conversation in mind. I love how Proverbs 27 puts it, sweet friendship refreshes the soul and awakens our hearts with joy. For our good friends are, excuse me, good friends are like the anointing oil that yields the fragrant incense of God's presence. We are created for community. We are created for friendship and conversation. So how do we start this practice, this practice of one hour of conversation with a friend or loved one? We know the goal is to having meaningful conversations. We can all agree we need to do this, that it gives us richness of life. It helps our mental health, our spiritual life. It helps our physical self. And so right now I'm going to give you several tips and ideas. Uh, do all of these or just do one of them as you start, but do something. Here's what I want you to do. Pull out your phone, grab a piece of paper, open up your notes app, write down all of these tips and tricks that I'm about to give you. Because I promise if you don't, you're going to forget most of these by tomorrow morning. If you do, you'll be able to reference it as you're thinking, man, who's, who's the person I need to lean in with? Where do I need to have these conversations? So here are some tips. Number one, know yourself. Knowing who you are and your tendencies will help you discover how to have more meaningful conversations. Are you introverted or are you extroverted? If you're an introvert, you may have to push yourself far more than your extroverted counterparts to do this because we love our own company. 
because conversations can be both life-giving and exhausting for us introverts. You may have to realize that you only have the capacity for one or two of these deep conversations a week. And I want to let you know, that's okay. Now, if you're an extrovert, you may actually have to pull back a little and be more intentional with the conversations that you have. I've seen it. Extroverts can easily go from person to person having a number of conversations around a large range of topics. However, the breadth of conversations that you have doesn't equal the quality and depth of conversations. In other words, just because you've spoken to 10 people in the last 30 minutes or so doesn't mean you got to the soul stuff, doesn't mean you got to the deep soul-filling stuff for that individual and for yourself. So know yourself, learn more about yourself and your tendencies so that you can lean into conversations more effectively. Number two, pick a target. Who do you want to have deeper conversations with? A coworker? Uh, someone in your hobby group? Someone in your neighborhood? Maybe it's a significant other. Maybe it's your husband or wife. Maybe it's someone you admire but don't know very well. Is it someone you're connected to primarily online? Someone who's very different from you? If you want to have deep and meaningful conversations on a weekly basis, you've got to pick someone to pursue. Now, guess what? Not every person you pick will be available or even want to have those conversations with you. And that's okay. Listen, that's okay. If, people wanna, uh, if the people you want to connect with are too busy or don't respond uh, to your desire to get closer with them, that's okay. We have no idea what's going on in their lives at that particular moment. So don't take it personal. Keep trying and I promise you, somebody will eventually want to have more conversation with you as well. Number three, prepare good questions. Now, this is where some mild, mild internet stalking is encouraged. Facebook, Instagram, the TikTok, LinkedIn, the Twitter, uh, a basic search of their name can give you a ton of information that they've made publicly available. Here's the key though. Um, tell the other person you looked them up and you noticed they liked football. Hey, I looked up your Facebook page. I noticed that you liked the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Tell me about that, right? It doesn't come off as, as creepy if you're upfront about the fact that you looked them up a little bit. But if you try and hide it and you just happen to know everything they like, they're either going to think that you guys have a better connection than you actually do and they're going to be disappointed later or... They're going to realize you're, you're stalking them a little bit. Ask about hobbies. Ask about their family and their growing up. Ask about spirituality. Ask about their work and their favorite hangout spots. The goal is to learn more about them and to find um, a genuine connection in the process. Number four, practice active listening. Active listening is where you take what a person said and you summarize it in your own words. For example, your friend is sharing a story or a situation, and at some point near the end of the conversation, you follow up by giving a short summary of what they said. So they're sharing the story, and then you go, okay, so what I'm hearing you saying is, or, if I understand you right, wow, you said a lot, but basically what you're telling me is, boom instant credibility. 
There are two people I know uh, here in Kansas City in my local community that do this really, really well, and they're kind of cut from the same cloth, I think. That is Dan Cogswell and Teresa Sidwell. Both of them, when I have conversations, they are such active listeners. They are so engaged with what I'm saying, and they tend to summarize uh, all of that I've blabbed off about in this nice, cohesive little thing, and it helps me know that, wow, they were actually listening and weren't just waiting to tell me the solution to the problem, uh, what they think I should do. They just kind of sit with me in the joys and the challenges. So give it a try, active listening. Um, number five, create a formal or informal standing meeting. My conversations with Eric tend to be around lunchtime, either on a Tuesday or Friday. I really want it to be organic, but I'm also intentional about making that happen. He's probably thinking, wow, we have really talked every single week because I've, I've been intentional with that. Now for you, you may want to go ahead and create a standing meeting with a particular person because that's your style. That's okay. The important thing is to be intentional so that you always um, are, are having these one hour conversations that are life-giving for you and life-giving for the other individual. There's no wrong way of doing it. The important thing is that you are intentional. The last thing I'll say is this, be wisely vulnerable. Some of us make the mistake of oversharing a little too soon, right? Uh, it's important to ease into deeper conversations over the course of a few conversations. Uh, revealing too much too quick can kind of scare people away sometimes because they don't really know you yet. But vulnerability is so important. As you begin to trust the person you're talking to, choose to share some vulnerable things about yourself. Test the waters and then keep going. Friends, as you have these intentional conversations, as you practice this rule of life, of daily prayer, of weekly Sabbath, and weekly one hour conversations, with a loved one or, or friend, I promise you, your 2023 is gonna go really well. You're gonna have lots of joys as you practice these things. And as the challenges come, you're gonna have a framework, which is this rule of life, that's not only gonna carry you through 2023, it's gonna carry you through it and beyond to deeper levels of love and affection and inspiration not only for you, but for all of those around you.